the blast from our past network. Today on Talking Back, it doesn't get much more Canadian than this, eh? Talking Back. Hey, everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I am your host, Tim, and with me is co host Dean. Dean, how's it going? Good day. <laughs> Good day. Good day. Good day. Take off, eh? Hey, ha- uh, happy birthday to Canada, eh? Yeah. Happy Canada Day, Dean. This is a very special bonus episode for Canada Day. Yeah, when it's Canada Day, my, my true accent comes out, eh? Um, we live in Canada. That's why we're celebrating Canada Day. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but we love all the countries. And whatever whatever day is your country's day, then we are celebrating with you. And congratulations to your country as well. We're not selfish assholes here, right? Uh, true. We're not selfish assholes. We just we wanna we wanna celebrate our country's day. Yeah. T- today. We just want to put out a special app for our country's day. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Are you ready? Uh yeah, beauty, go. You know what's coming, right? I think I do. Yeah. Right. Should we count it down? Yeah, okay. We haven't talked about this, but I think we're on the, nope. sa- we're on the same page here. Yeah, count okay. it down. Okay, three, two, one, go. Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all... Tim, I don't think that went well. <laughs> Turns out we were I, on different pages. I went with Kulukuku. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I thought you knew that we sing on our um, special episodes. We always sing. Uh, Tim, I was singing as well. Well, I was just singing sort of. a different song. Sort of. You were like... We were, we were on a... the same page. We just thought of a different song. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's more of a bird call uh, than anything else. I thought, yeah, I thought of the Strange Brew song. Right. The, yeah, yeah. The take off theme. That's uh, that's Doug McKenzie's intro to their show. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. I like that. I like that. I appreciate that. No no points deducted on your test for that, sir. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I'm I am a little upset that we weren't on the same page there. Yeah. Well, I thought for sure you were going to sing with Canada with me. I know. I thought for sure you were going to Kulukuku. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, we're both wrong. <laughs> Dean, happy Canada Day, man. Same to you, eh? Um, it isn't actually Canada Day for us, but we're recording just before that. But Canada Day is all about sunshine and barbecues and yeah. getting together with friends and family and having a few cocktails. And it's a it's a great day. That's a great day. Honestly, it is a great day. It's one of the best days. It's always super sunny out. It is, yeah. It's always like 100 degrees, so yeah, it's, it's perfect. But um, thanks, everybody, for celebrating your Canada Day with us. Yeah, we're we're only going to take a little bit of your Canada Day away from you. Um, you know, maybe, whatever, an hour, hour, 15 minutes or something. But it's going to be worth it because we're hitting up the Canadian content for this one, Dean. For sure. I'm going to try to say A- a lot more times. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 
Take off, eh, you hoser? Yeah. Hey, don't wreck our show here, eh? Take off. Yeah. Um, I wish I could do a better impression of these guys, because I'd probably say more things, but I can't, so right. I'm, not, I'm not actually going to. Yeah, I think the, the Rick Moranis is that you have to go a little higher in the voice. Yeah. It's like, hey, good day. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. I like that. Thanks, man. All right. Well, for anybody who's completely clueless as to what we're talking about, we're going to be covering the 1983 Canadian classic Strange Brew. It's before I was born. Yeah. Yeah, eh? That was before I was born, eh? What are you, some kind of young feller or something, eh? <laughs> I am. I'm totally the uh, the Bob McKenzie of the brothers. You're totally the Doug. <laughs> um, you may hear some cracking of beers this episode. Uh, there may be belching. Yeah, for sure. You often hit us with flatulence. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. I'm sure you're going to continue that. Because you know who else does that? Bob and Doug McKenzie do that. <laughs> it normally it normally doesn't make it past editing, but maybe it will this time. Yeah. We'll see. You're going to let the fart slip through? Possibly, if it's good. Okay, yeah, cool. If it's good, so save it up until it's ready to fly. Make okay. it good. Make it good. can really rip one. Yeah. So, Dean. Yes, Tim. Uh, anything else before we get going? How uh, are you? Did I ask you how you are? How are you doing? I don't remember. Um, I, I mean, I remember how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, I don't remember if you asked. Did I ask you? Probably not. How are I you doing? That doesn't matter. Let's just get into it. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so, SCTV. You know what that yes. is? Okay. I definitely know what that is, man. Good. I'm glad you do. It is uh, stands for Second City Television, and it's a Canadian sketch comedy TV show that ran from 1976 to 1984. Dude, I have... I don't know what your memories are of this, but this was like right in my sweet spot when I was growing up. And I have so many great memories of watching this show with friends. It was, I don't know, it's probably like 10, 11, something like that. And this humor was just, it was made, most of it was made for for us. You know, we just could yeah. sit down, watch the show, laugh at the stuff that was funny, and also laugh at the stuff that didn't make any sense to us just because it was so sometimes bizarre and silly. But yeah, great show, great Canadian yeah. show. I have a very vivid memory of this show. Um, it was on like a rerun. It wasn't. It wasn't live when I was watching it. Um, Nor I, was, I. Yeah. Okay. So because I was like, yeah, I was born in '86. So hey, by the time I was, how old do you it, think was, I am, you hoser? <laughs> hey, take off! You're born in the '70s, eh? You're uh, you're you're in your '60s now, eh? My back is sore, oftentimes, oh, often oh, yeah, days, yeah, yeah. eh? They got they got pills for that, eh? Oh, <laughs> give me a prescription, eh? <laughs> let's just do this <laughs> enough of the content let's just let's just be bob and doug mckenzie <laughs> i don't think i don't think anybody wants much more of that no i think we lost everyone you know um, what yeah i don't care we're gonna do it though of course it's our fun canada day okay back to your story yeah uh i had very vivid memories of this because when i watched this i don't know how old i was i was probably 10 to 11 and i turned this on SCTV. Hey, that's what I said, you hoser. You're telling my story. I was hey, this tendo. is mine, not yours, eh? You always, you always taking credit for the things I do, eh? You always tell people your story is my story, eh? <laughs> okay. Will I ever get past this story? I don't know. Um, yeah, it was about, about 10 to 11. And there was a sketch that was called Halfwits. And it was basically the idea of the show was like, what if a bunch of idiots were on Jeopardy. 
Mm. And that was kind of the first time I'd ever seen somebody like make fun of a game show. And like, what if there were dumb people on a game show? And I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so hilarious. I only saw it the one time. But then after that, I dug like really deep into Saturday Night Live's Celebrity Jeopardy and just like downloaded all of all of those uh, Celebrity Jeopardy episodes. I thought they were so hilarious. Never saw that half wits again. Today, I decided I'd try to check on YouTube if I could find it. Boom, that half wits sketch popped up. I watched it. I knew it word for word. And I had only seen it that one time. It made such a big impact on me. I thought it was so funny. Martin Short on it was just, oh. just amazing. <laughs> amazing. So, Dean, SCTV season one and two air on the global television network. But after some success, season three is picked up by a national broadcasting network, the CBC. Beauty. Beauty. Beauty, eh? So CBC, Beauty, eh? CBC was going to syndicate the show in the U.S. And U.S. networks required an additional two minutes of commercial time than the CBC. So the CBC asked the producers of SCTV if they'd create a specifically Canadian content for those extra two minutes that would only air in Canada. Now, Rick Moranis is hired for season three. And Dave Thomas had been there uh, from the very beginning. Now, the two of them conceive of a parody that would include every aspect of the stereotypical Canadian. They create Bob and Doug McKenzie, and these fictional hosts have their own show called Great White North. Tim, I'm, I'm so glad you pulled this, um, because I know I'm not supposed to do any research, eh, but I accidentally did some today. Oh, take and off, hey, that's my job, you hoser. <laughs> I'm the research guy on this podcast, eh? Hey, you always bossing me around. Um, yeah, so I did some I did some research just kind of by accident and saw that, yeah, they they just like kind of added this sketch um, just to fill up some time. And they told Rick Moranis that they need uh, they need some more Canadian content. And he's like, what the heck are you talking about? Canadian content. We're Canadian people on a Canadian like we film it in Canada. What do you mean? Like, what do you want us to just sit around in our toques by like a by a Coleman uh, smoking some back bacon and just chat? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, that sounds great. So that's how they started it. They thought it was a stupid idea. Oh, they thought it was stupid. And that's why they didn't they didn't script it at all. Yeah, they often just sat down, um, actually drank beers kind of after yeah. hours. They actually did cook bacon and yeah. they would eat bacon and then they would just kind of riff ideas. But then when it came to um, pitching them, they didn't really have much plan. They just kind of went up there and did it. Totally. So uh, oftentimes they're just, you know. They're kind of ad-libbing. And you can tell because oh, totally. often in those sketches like this movie, they're they're near breaking, you know, yeah. very often and sometimes do break out in laughter. Yeah. So definitely. Um to everyone's surprise though, Dean, this two-minute filler quickly becomes the most popular part of SCTV. And Great White North even starts making its way into the US version of the show. And by the time season four rolls around. NBC requests that the two dumb Canadian characters be part of every episode. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Yes. It's like this just, they don't even care about it. They're just sitting down drinking beer and just like riffing off each other. And that becomes the most popular sketch on the show. Yeah. 
America loves dumb Canadians. America loves dumb Canadians, I guess. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they do have a little sketch about how uh, Canadian beer is more is stronger than American beer. I like that sketch a lot. Very funny sketch. Go check yeah. it out, people. There's lots of Bob and Doug stuff on YouTube. So go check out some of their sketches. If you have no idea who these guys are, it's pretty funny. Yeah. They're like the original podcasters, basically. They're kind of. Two minute, their two-minute sketch is just like a podcast. Yeah. It's very funny. They're very knowledgeable Canadians. Mm-hmm. Now, the McKenzie brothers basically reached their peak with a couple of comedy albums and this movie Strange Brew in the early 80s. Now, an interesting thing to note is that before this movie comes out, all of the major breweries want Bob and Doug in their commercials until they find out about the sketch in the movie about putting a mouse in a beer bottle (laughs) and then nobody wants anything to do with them that's so good yeah so for that for that scene where they go into a vendor with a mouse in a bottle they actually had to build a replica of a beer vendor and the beer vendor was called brewer's retail they built like a replica of it and in the movie they call it the beer store Because of this, Brewers Retail actually changed their name to the beer store, and the beer store is still around today. I know, Tim, this is fucking crazy. It's it's really cool. The beer store is still around today. There's places where you can only get beer at the beer store, I think. That's right. One of our like, uh, our neighboring province has many beer stores, and I've I've frequented them. We don't really have a beer store in our city or province. I don't know. I I don't think we have I don't think we have them, but I've definitely been to them before. Yeah, yeah. You talk. You talk for a minute or uh, a, a short a short time while I have a delicious sip of my fine beverage here. Right? Hey, I'm way ahead of you. Hey, you got to catch up. Hey, what are you falling behind? I like your Moranis. It's really good. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, mm. man. My mind's awful. Yours is yours is actually good. Now, as I mentioned, released in 1983, with a budget of five million dollars, they only use four. Does it get more Canadian than that? Nope. <laughs> that is so great. That's so great. And they gross 8.5. So we always like to say it. Money doubled. Great. We yeah, should that's... come up with some some sort of like term there. Like money doubled um, something. Because uh, we always good. say that. Money doubled <laughs> is Is double, double what money. you had when you started. <laughs> what what Rick, Rick, Wait, hold on. Hold on. Was that US dollars or Canadian dollars? That's a good question, eh? Because they have a they have a sketch on their album where to get the American, um, you just have to uh, double it and add thirty. <laughs> so that's that's with anything, right? That's a great so calculation. Hey, if they made like eight million, a eh, then that's U.S. It's you got to double it. It's like sixteen, a eh, and then you you add thirty, so it's sixteen million thirty dollars, eh? Well, uh, your math is is a bit off because um, eight point five. Uh, multiplied by two is um, more like 17 plus 30, so 1730. Oh, you know, I never got past grade six, eh? So we didn't do fractions then, eh? <laughs> dude, your Moranis is fucking killer, dude. You've been practicing, I can tell. <laughs> I was practicing all day. All day in the, all day in the mirror, yeah, definitely. All day, <laughs> all day in the mirror. Um, I'm going to go with Canadian dollars. I'm pretty sure it's Canadian. Okay, that actually, that makes sense. Uh, $5 million, if it was US, I mean... Yeah. Think of what this movie would have been. Yeah. Honestly, that kind of shocks me that they didn't gross that much because their album like killed. Their album sold like a million copies, I think. 
yes, I'm not really sure why the movie didn't do that good. Now, yeah. I mean, eight point five million is pretty good. I don't, I don't know why it didn't gross, I guess, gross more yeah, than that. I guess maybe they are better off as like an album. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe things don't tra- like translate over well. Like if you think of like if you if you think of like a popular podcast, if they just came out with a movie, that probably wouldn't gross that much. Well, the movie's very different, but it's, they're still hilarious in it. They're still like h- oh, hilarious sure. sketches. It's just not that same format. Yeah. Now, written, directed, and starring Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. These dudes did it all on this one. Oh, hey, that's you stole my beer, eh? That's mine. <laughs> take off, eh? I bought this one myself. I was saving that one for a special occasion. Hey, take off. It was mine. I work hard for this money. Oh, hold on. I just found mine. Never mind. <laughs> okay. I wanted to call out the cinematographer, Dean. Oh, cool. Steven Poster. Who's this guy? This guy's done some stuff. He's done a handful of really cool movies. Okay. No way. Yeah. He has. Some cool, some not so cool. But he uh, was the cinematographer on Donnie Darko. Oh, that is cool. That's cool. Rocky Five. Nice. Um, Big Top Pee Wee. Okay. Daddy Daycare. Now we're getting into the not so cool ones. Daddy Daycare. Okay. I don't, I've never seen Daddy Daycare. Nor I. Don't want to. Stuart Little 2. Oh man. The mouse is back. Is that your jam? I've never never seen it. Never seen it. Um, they are, or they, it's it's just one guy. Stephen Poster. He, he is the cinematographer on the new kids. What is the the new new kids? Yes. The new kids. I've never seen it, but our friends over at Podcasting After Dark do an episode on it, and they love it. It's one of their faves. Oh, so if, cool! If you want to yeah. learn, if you want to learn more about that movie, check out that podcast. It's it's excellent. Yeah, uh, that podcast fucking rocks. Yeah, that podcast rules. They cover awesome, awesome content. Now, Dean, this guy also did a movie I've never heard of called Dead and Buried from 1981. Have you heard? Okay. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. I haven't heard of Dead and Buried. We need to check this out because the screenplay was done by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. Oh, come on. Yes. And special effects from Stan Winston. No way. Yeah. This is our jam right now. These guys are our jam. Dan O'Bannon. These are our guys. Danny O'B and, and Ronald Shusett from uh, Alien and Total Recall. Yeah, a couple movies yeah. we've covered. Stan Winston, uh, special effects for Alien, Predator, and Terminator. Like, these guys are heroes. Now... The story of this movie, this always makes me laugh. It's loosely based on Hamlet. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's such a funny place to yeah. start. Like you'd yeah. you'd <laughs> you'd start this parody kind of like with Hamlet as your as your rock to start on. Yeah, which is like it, it's also like Lion King because Lion King's kind of like Hamlet. Yeah. Speaking of lions, Dean. The, oh. the intro of this movie, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's like the uh, the classic lion roaring, um, you know, roaring at the at the camera. Is that Paramount? Is it Paramount Pictures? No, thing? MGM. MGM. Yeah. yeah. Okay. MGM. So you got your lion. He's not roaring though, uh, and the camera kind of like pans around the side yeah. <laughs> of this sign, and you see the actual lion there, and Bob and Doug are cranking his tail, <laughs> trying to get it to roar. I'm trying to talk right now. I can't even get the words out. You know what? I'm not. When... Oh, go ahead. When Dave Thomas is just like, hey, maybe you got to crank him up here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know what I'm not doing? Yeah. Cranking a lion's tail. Oh, under, no kidding. Under any situation. 
It's so just, Tim, is just, that lion like incredibly trained or incredibly sedated? It's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of A and a lot of B, maybe. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but, like, I love that he just turns his head. The lion kind of turns his head, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing with my tail? And oh, yeah. they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, geez, you made him mad, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're on the set of Great White North. And Bob and Doug, <laughs> they've made their own movie that they want us to watch. Uh, it's amazing. It is. It's it's amazing. We'll get to, let's go get a little bit further in this intro and then kind yeah. of like recap what we think of this intro. Perfect. Before they show us their movie, though, <laughs> they tell us how to wreck a movie. Yep. <laughs> you take a jar of moths into the theater with you and you release them and then ask for your money back. Yeah. Which is <laughs> like, why would Which, you do this? You're supposed to do it at the part of the movie where you know what's going to happen. Okay. Perfect. So you've seen <laughs> yeah. it before, so I guess. But... It doesn't wreck it for you. You're ahead of everyone. You know what's going to happen, but then it wrecks it for everybody else. But why would you go out of your way <laughs> to go to a movie <laughs> to ruin it to ask for your money ask back? Ask for your money back. Why not I just stay know. at home and do something you actually want to do? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, man. Canadians, uh, eh? They're idiots. Canadians. Yeah, we are <laughs> dumb, aren't we? We're so dumb. They start to show us their post-apocalyptic movie titled The Mutants of 2051 AD. Awesome. Spooky. Yeah. Now, uh, Bob is driving his, his fucking rad homemade Mad Max van around when he comes upon Doug, the fleshy-headed mutant who steals his van. And then the projector breaks on their yes. movie and we're back at the Great White North. But it's very neat here because we find out that we're in a movie theater watching yeah. all this. So everything yeah. that's been happening so far has been part of this movie they're doing. And now we're in the theater watching it. The crowd does not approve of the movie. They do not enjoy it. And they all start to rage, Dean. Yeah. Luckily, Bob and Doug are actually there in the theater and have a jar of moths with them. Perfect. It's time to really wreck <laughs> time, this movie. Time to release the moths. So Bob and Doug need to make a quick escape from the moviegoers who are after them for a refund or for blood. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Then we get <laughs> the worst graphics I've ever seen in an opening credit scene of a movie. But Amazing. it completely works for this movie. Yes, definitely. Now, what do you think of that intro? I love the intro because... The intro, so while we're watching a movie within a movie, maybe within a movie, like it's three layers deep once you get to their movie that they made. It's a, um, it's a movie within a show within a movie. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, once you start thinking of that layer, it actually sets up a lot of smart things in the movie, which is kind of weird because it's, it's like supposed to be just funny and dumb. But first of all, what if you asked Bob and Doug McKenzie the characters to make a movie that's what they would do <laughs> they would go in their backyard and make some dumbass movie but like honestly if you and i made the footage like that was in this movie i'd be pretty proud of it <laughs> i mean it was it's decent like, like it looked like they probably spent okay. they spent maybe um a hundred bucks on, maybe, on yeah. production like they kind of decked the van out to make it look like a a post-apocalyptic vehicle that would keep you safe yeah, Doug's uh, costume. Doug's costume is interesting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like, so you got that. But then you pull back 
and you're in a movie theater with your two main characters who are watching their movie that they made and everybody's upset at it. So right away, the movie's saying, you know what we are. And this whole crowd's upset about it. If you're upset about this movie, it's your own fault for coming to it because this is what we do. And this is going to be the movie. I I just love it. I feel like it's like layers deep of like them saying, we're just going to goof off. And if you don't like it, like that's kind of your fault. Yeah, exactly. Now, while you were talking, I did some quick um, calculations in my head. And it is a movie within a show within a movie within a movie. Wow. So in in your explanation, I uncovered a new layer. That's amazing. Okay. It is. Do you want to explain that or you were just good leaving that there? Uh, okay, so I can try to explain it. So we're, we're it's it's um 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 um. I'm gonna leave it right there. We're gonna walk away from that one. Hey, don't mind my brother. Hey, he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will actually segue into. I want to say that this this movie's got more layers than a burrito. <laughs> nice. I, I I said that line because right before the credits roll, that is like my favorite line in the entire movie, and you can barely hear it because Rick Romanus. Oh my goodness, Rick Romano. I'm drunk. <laughs> Rick. <laughs> Rick, Rick, my buddy Rick. Yeah. Barely gets it out. Yeah. Your cousin, Rick Romanus. My... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is off the rails already. Okay. So um, Bob McKenzie doesn't want to drive because there's too many cops around. So he lets Doug drive. And Doug, as they're leaving the theater, kind of turns towards some cops that are directing him like the other way. And as the cops are directing him the other way, you can hear Bob from the passenger seat say, hey, don't mind my brother, eh? He's drunk. Oh, nice. <laughs> to the cop. <laughs> and then they drive off and the music plays and the credits, like, and the opening credits start playing. It's so great. Right, yeah, because he's going the wrong way into the cops where they had, like, the yeah. road blocked off. Okay, here, here are the layers, though. So okay. we start off, we're watching the movie, okay, okay. of Strange Brew. Yeah. But that's the movie. Okay. But it's it's then it's conceived within the show Great White North. Right, yeah. So it's a movie within a show, and then they show their movie. So it's within yeah. a movie, and then there's them in the movie. Maybe that's just, maybe the first and fourth are the same. Th- this is yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> I think it is I say three levels deep, but no, we're okay. the fourth level. I've got we're it. the fourth level I've got watching it. it. The first level is the movie starts. Okay. It starts with them cranking the lion's tail. It's a movie. But then we see it's their show that, that we're actually watching their show. But then they crank into the um, post-apocalyptic right. mutant of 2051. So that's another movie. And then we pull back and we're watching their production, which is actually a movie. Yeah. And then we ourselves are watching Strange Brew. Tim, you nailed it. I think I actually added another layer I, in that explanation. I think we're at five now. I think that's five. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's at least five layers. Look, yes. There is... Also, it's it's Hamlet. So that's another layer. <laughs> Who cares about layers of this movie? How do we get into this? This is How are we going to get this through this podcast? stupid. We're 30 minutes in and we haven't got past the intro yet. We're in the opening scene. I thought we'd be rolling up on the conclusion by this time. <laughs> This is just bonus content. Um, okay. We get the Strange Brew theme song there. Now, this theme song was performed by Dave Thomas's brother, Ian Thomas. I did know this. That's amazing. I love Ian Thomas. 
Um, his song Painted Ladies is a Canadian oldies classic. Totally. Like, I love that song. Go out. If you haven't heard that, go and check it out right now. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So I love, I love this guy, but I didn't know that they were brothers. Did you, uh, have you listened to the album? No, I didn't listen to the album. Okay. Cause on the album, they also have like their number one hit single, um, which is called Take Off. And it's uh, the guy from Rush sings it actually. Oh, right. Right. I, I did. And it's like, it's like really good. I mean, it's mm. also objectively really bad, yeah. but I love it. Yeah, really good and really bad go hand in hand with Bob and Doug McKenzie. I think so, yeah. Okay, we got to pick this up a bit. Um, We're back at the McKenzie house and Bob and Doug are slamming some beer and donuts. Jam Busters, to be specific. Oh, yeah, of course. My personal favorite. Oh, they're so good. The powder gets all over my face, though. I don't like that. I just wipe it off. Yeah. They each chug a beer. And they give one of the beers to Hosehead, their dog. Yeah. But their dad wants a beer too. He he hears them cracking them open and he wants one too. Of course. But Dean, there's no more left. Shit. So they, they pour the one from the dog bowl into a glass. And, <laughs> and how disgusting did they make this look? Dude, they're going to give it to the dad, but then neither of them wants to do it. It's so disgusting. It's so I, I honestly, my whole life, I have never forgot how disgusting this beer is. It's offended me my my entire life. I just the totally. thought. I've always thought like, what if I had to drink that? Like, what would happen? So, Dean, I have a question for you. Yes. How much money? Perfect. How much money would I have to pay you to drink that beer that's got oh, all sorts of wet dog food and who knows what else floating in it? It's disgusting looking. Yeah, Tim, that is like a that's a great question. Um, when I watched this movie, I was like a kid. So when I saw that, I already thought beer was gross because I was like 12 years old or whatever. So I just thought it was gross anyway. So I was like, oh, whatever. That's just gross. But now that I drink beer and I watched it as an adult, it really offended me. Like it really was disgusting. Um, oh man, how much to pay me? Uh, in high school, I was kind of the guy that you could give any small amount of money to and I would do anything, <laughs> but I think I've matured from there and you would have to give me $500 to drink that beer. Yeah. That's kind of right around what, what I was thinking. Like if someone legitimately yeah. offered me 500 bucks, I'd probably just, just do it. Yeah. If 500, someone came I might... up with like 200 bucks, I don't think I would do it. I think oh, I need to no. hit 500 for it. I wouldn't do that for two. I might even try to get them up to like a thousand. Yeah, uh, I would for sure do it for a thousand five hundred. That's like the min. Depends how many beers I've had already, maybe. Right. Actually, that's very true. It depends how many uh, Elsnore beers you've had. That's right. <laughs> so they end up breaking the glass. They drop it. It smashes. And the dad tells them to go get more. Now, Dean, the dad is voiced by the man of a thousand voices, Mel Blanc. He voiced yeah. Bugs Bunny. Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Barney Rubble, and Mr. Spacely, among many, many others. He's the dad's voice. Fucking legend. Yeah, he's always screaming at them. He's always mad at yeah. them. It's great. So Bob and... Oh, oh, oh sorry. Huh? I just have... I have a story about him. Okay. I just remembered. Um, Do we have time he, for stories anymore? I, I know. I'm sorry. This is actually interesting, though. This is going to be more interesting than anything else in this episode, I promise. Oh, that's a, that's a big thing to say. Oh, shit. I, sh I should take it back. This, this better um, be good now. Okay, here it is. He demanded $10,000 an hour to do this recording. 
And they were like, no way, we don't have the budget for that. And then I don't remember who it was, but somebody comes to the producers and says, okay, we got him down to $10,000 a day. And that person's like, okay, cool. And then he came in and recorded his lines in under an hour and he got his $10,000 and they didn't actually get him down to $10,000 a day. They just knew that it would take less than an hour to record it. And that was just more like the the producer could stomach that more than $10,000 an hour. Oh, interesting. So they uh, they pulled a fast one on the producer. They pulled a fast one on the producer. Yeah, it's good, like good thinking. Yeah, good thinking. That's definitely not the best thing that we have in this podcast, Tim. It's, but it's a it's a nice addition. Thank you, Dean. At this moment, it is hard for me to get through sentences. Your impression of of Bob McKenzie is better than that story you just told us. <laughs> hey, take off, eh? Yeah, see, that is I could I could listen to that all day. Now, Bob and Doug, they have no money to get beer with, right? Dad wants more beer, but they don't have any money. <laughs> they don't have any money. So they got to go with the old mouse in the bottle trick. Now, how do you how do you even get a mouse into a bottle? It's like, do you raise it in a bottle? You put a baby mouse in a bottle? Because the one in the bottle is like a full-size mouse. Oh, you yeah, You could not sure. squish it in. They grew that mouse in the bottle. They did. They did. Or there's like a, I mean, for the movie, there's probably like a false bottom or something. But if you're going to yeah. actually do this, you'd have to raise a baby mouse in a bottle. Well, have you seen their sketch about it? I have. I don't remember it, though. Okay, so their sketch is actually a little more harsh than what they do in the movie, because in their sketch, the mouse has to be dead and drowned because he has to have been in your bottle of beer. So they say they put a small mouse when he's really tiny, they put him in the bottle. Then you feed him in the bottle and then you fill it with beer and drown him. That's what they say in their sketch. In the movie, they don't go that far. Right. That makes more sense. Yeah. Now they go to the vendor with this mouse in the bottle. And the dude at the vendor, he does not really care. Uh, he tells he tells them to take it up with Elsinore Brewery. Now, Elsinore, the name Elsinore, that's um like a, a town in Hamlet. Oh, that's, cool. That's one of the Hamlet references here. Perfect. I couldn't find many others, dude. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just like the whole storyline is kind of Hamlet. Yeah, a little bit. Well, if you think of like if you think of Lion King, it's like the brother killing the other brother to take over the company yeah. and having to get rid of the heir. Right. So they do decide to try their luck at the brewery. On the way, they hit a fork in the road. They can go left for Elsinore Castle, Elsinore Research and Development, Elsinore Brewery, or they can go right for the Royal Canadian Institute for the Mentally Insane. <laughs> <laughs> what a fork in the road it's so great what a fork in the road. and all the elsinore signs are like bright white and nice and yeah. then the the institute's all black and dark yeah <laughs> it's, totally. it's hilarious and these these two establishments are right beside each other they're like on the same property just like one. as as they should be i guess <laughs> and the set the set piece for that is really nice it like actually looks really good I Tim, I fucking love the matte paintings in this movie. Yeah, they're really good. I think good. they're great. Like you can tell that they're paintings, but like I think they look fantastic. I'm gonna tell you what. I tried to look for it. There's a part. It's actually right here where they take the left fork and they start driving, and I cannot tell you where this matte painting ends cool. and where this road like stop. I can't. I can't figure out how they've done this. Yeah. This is, so it, like. Two million at least into those matte paintings. Definitely, yeah. That's where the yeah. majority of the budget went. They yeah. probably made like giant, full-sized, like castle-sized matte paintings for that. Just to <laughs> totally. make it look, to look normal. <laughs> now, 
they get to Elsinore Brewery, they get to the gate, and there's a car stuck between the automatic gate. And like there's sparks flying and uh, this this person inside needs help. So they rear end this car. And inside is Pam Elsinore. We get to meet Pam. Yeah. She's played by Lynn Griffin. Dude, I love her in this movie. She does such a great job. Like, she's not a huge actress. She's done a few movies, a little bit more TV. But my goodness, I I thought she stole the show, in my opinion. Tim, she fucking rocks in this movie. She's so good in her part. And also, the movie is written really well where there's a bunch of men always like, hey, you can't do it. You're just a young girl. And she's like, screw you. I can do it. I'm going to run this company. I want to run this company. There's so many moments in this movie from 1983. There's so many moments where she is just the best character in the movie. Definitely. And guess what one of the TV shows she was in is? Oh, I I actually do not know this. I don't have a guess. The Littlest Hobo. Holy shit. No way. Yeah, we should review that episode. We have to. We We have to do that. So Pam, her recently deceased father was John Elsinore, the owner of the brewery. Yeah. Now, we're quickly shown inside the brewery, and someone is watching a camera of what's happening outside. And here's where we meet the bad guys. Mm. Led by Brewmaster Smith. No, Brewmaster Smith. That's like his actual name. That son of a bitch. It is his actual name. Um, Played by Max von Sydow. Now, this this is a huge name for this movie. Like, this this guy's a major actor who should have no part playing this role but his son was a huge fan of sctv and convinced his dad max to take this role okay that's a great fact tim because i was going to ask you how the fuck is he in this movie because he is an incredible actor yeah that's how that's how it is now inside the brewery pam is being offered five million dollars to sell her shares in the brewery 1983 money that's like, that's their budget. I know. I, I find it funny that that's their budget. They're probably just <laughs> they like- gave how, her the budget. <laughs> yeah. How much, should, how much should she get for this brewery? I don't know. What does it cost to make a movie? <laughs> Five hey, million dollars. At least as much as much. we had for this movie, eh? That much, yeah. <laughs> um, Pam's not interested though. She's not interested in selling. She wants no. to take it over herself. But Bob and Doug burst into the meeting and they break up the meeting claiming they found a mouse- in the bottle, and their cop friend told them to come here, or else he's going to press charges. Yes. Yeah. He says, uh, we found a mouse in a bottle of your beer, eh? Like, we was at a party, and uh, a friend of ours, a cop, had some. He puked! And <laughs> he, he puked! And he said, uh, come here and get free beer, or uh, he'll press charges. <laughs> I'm not doing it any justice, but it's, it's fucking hilarious. It's great. Uh, so so this is great they actually decide to hire bob and doug as like quality control because of yes this, because of this mouse in the bottle it's yes. so smart i know tim i wanted you to finish this so i could get to it this is the most smart 
moment of the movie, in my opinion. They start the movie by them having their dumb idea of how to get a free case of beer, and it gets them all the way to the brewery. And when they bring it up with, they actually somehow find, like, the president of the company. And when they bring it up with him, he's like, is this actually possible? Could there be mice in the bottles? And then quality control is like, well, we don't have anyone watching the bottles. So I guess it's possible. And then they get jobs. They get jobs at the brewery. And now they have a reason to be there every day. Yeah. And and Pam says like, uh, well, back when my father was running the company, stuff like this wouldn't have happened. But now I guess stuff like this is happening. Totally. And they do a great job in the vendor where Bob and Doug initially uh, try to pull the scam off for uh, what they say. They ask for a 12 and then quickly for a 2-4. And then everybody's laughing at them. Everybody in line is laughing at them and like yep. embarrassing them. And then- it just makes this moment so much better that it actually works and they get jobs at the brewery. It's amazing. It act, it really works. If you went to the head of a company with a mouse in the bottle, he would just turn to his right-hand man and be like, is this possible? And if the guy's like, well, I guess it's possible. Boom. Okay, let's get some men on the bottling line. Let's see that there's no mice in these bottles. Right. They get jobs where they get free beer. They get more than just the case of beer that they wanted. They get unlimited free beer. Exactly. I was going to say, these are the last two guys you want on the bottling line. Out <laughs> yeah, of anybody. They grab, they grab bottles right away and cheers their new jobs. I know. I watched it and then I rewound it because I'm interested in nerdy stuff like this. But it took yeah. them all of eight seconds of doing their job before they grabbed a couple <laughs> beers and cracked them and started drinking them. <laughs> so we're back. We're, in, uh, we're back in the evil control room with Brewmaster Smith. And he's laying out his master plan for us. This is one of the things I appreciate about this movie. Like, they're not making you try to figure anything out. They're just basically, like, as the bad guys are going, they're explaining everything that's going on. And we just kind of get to follow along and watch who, like, the the heroes of the movie or watch, uh, not who, but how they kind of, like, handle the situation. So, Well, the, the bad guy plan is kind of, like, so over the top and insane that they're like, we don't need to hide it from you. Like, here it is. Deal with it. Like, just just go with it. Yeah. So, basically, they're using the patients from the mental institute next door as guinea pigs for a drug that the brewmaster has placed in the beer that will allow him to control a person with a musical tone. Dean, how diabolical is this? It's very diabolical. Now, uh, oh, that sounded delicious. Excuse me. Dean, they play some of these musical notes, and all the patients run and get dressed in hockey equipment. And they I mean, I mean like loosely hockey equipment. No, they I mean it's hockey equipment that makes them look like stormtroopers. Yes, exactly. One, what is this 100%, equipment? 100%. It's amazing equipment. So there's a, a white team and a black team. And they head out onto a hockey rink. Um, Now, Dean, there are a ton of Star Wars references in this movie, which I think is super cool. Uh, One of them, that was one of them. Another one being this Brewmaster Smith. The guy's always dressed like in head to toe in black. Like he's just, he looks like Darth Vader, right? Now, there's there's another. Well, there's there's lots of stuff. There's lots. Okay. We'll get get to it later. Okay. Oh, I will, Dean. There's a fucking big one, Tim. Take off, you hoser. Time for you to have some non-alcoholic beers, you hoser. Hey, I didn't mean to direct the show, eh? I just didn't know if you did all the research, eh? Well, you know what, Dean? I I did. I know. 
I should trust that you did all the research. I'm pretty sure I got what you've, uh, what you may have, what you may think, what you may think you have here. (laughs) I think I got one up on you, but I may not. You think so? Yeah. Oh, this would be fun for the listeners. It's has Dean one up me on the facts. Yes. I want to stop right here and say that, uh, in all seriousness, I think it is actually cool that there is hockey in this, even though they're wearing like stormtrooper equipment, because like hockey is a very big sport for Canada. Um, you and I love hockey. And I I mean, it kind of seems like a, a wild game. Like, let's put on these skates, travel super fast and shoot this little uh, this little round rubber puck into a net. I mean, it, the game seems kind of weird um, to any other major sport out there. And I love it. Absolutely love hockey. So I'm, I'm so glad that hockey made it into this Canadian movie. Yeah, you definitely couldn't have made like a Canadian parody without having hockey in it. So totally. I love that there's hockey and I love that the arena is like inside of this mental institute, right? Yeah. Like they just have yeah. a rink in there that they can they can use to. Well, and and we play hockey so much in Canada that we play anywhere, right? Like we've played outdoors. We've played in these weird rinks that are so tiny. So I, I just love like this atmosphere of this rink just reminds me of being a kid and getting like practice time somewhere on some rink that is just like it, it's literally just built as a rink. The only the building is only big enough to have the ice and like a locker room. Yeah, that's why I quit hockey is because when I was younger, we would get up at like six in the morning, drive 45 minutes to a barn and the barn had a rink in it and you yeah. pl- and it's like minus 30 um, and you just freeze your balls off and that's the only like ice time you can get as like a, a six year old and yeah. then you go home and it's like, you know, I don't know if I like hockey. Totally. So I, I quit early. Totally. I quit early too. I quit right when the body checking was part of the league because I was a very small, this will tell you a lot about me, but I was a very small child. And uh, I I was presented with the option of you could go into body checking hockey or we will buy you a drum set. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those were my decisions. And I was like, ah, I'll take the drum set. I went with the opposite of my issues with hockey. So uh, getting up too early. So yeah. the, um, I, I chose badminton, which started at 1030, smart. Um, was indoors and warm. Very smart, so, Tim. You I'm, are a killer badminton player, by the way. Thank you, Dean. All racket sports. You kicked my ass at tennis the other day. Well, when you get when you get good at like one racket sport, it kind of can yeah. move over to other racket sports. Now, Brewmaster says they need one more test. And they're ready for the world. Wow. I love the escalation there. And you know, yes. you know what this reminded me of? There's this hilarious moment. I think it's, it's uh, it might even be the very first episode. It's either episode one or episode two of the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, yes. And it's the lizard. And it starts off and there's like this father and son and they're in a little fishing boat and they're just fishing. And the lizard is swimming in the water and he comes over and from the bottom, he pushes their boat over and they fall into the water. Oh no. And then he screams today, the swamp tomorrow, the world. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is an incredible line in that cartoon. Is it? That's a pretty amazing, a pretty insane escalation. Just going from dumping a couple people in their boat to taking over the world. (laughs) 
what's he gonna do to the world dump the whole world into i guess so i guess he thinks <laughs> that man. maybe the world is his swamp and that's all he knows or and he you thinks know what the whole you world know what is tim he's right and that's why i stay out of the water because tomorrow's the world yeah look out world yeah the lizard, the, the lizard from 1967 is, is on his way yeah dr he's, john connors is coming for you still hasn't quite made it here yet but he's on his no. way uh, Dean, everything in this movie is so hilarious. Like the looks and expressions that Moranis and Thomas are doing with their faces. I, you can't duplicate that. It's like, they're yeah. always like cringing and like, it's like the way that they're talking, like they're making their face look a certain way while they do it. And it's so perfect. It's so hilarious. It is so hilarious. I, so like comedy movies now where they just let the actors like improv, they take like a million takes of it, right? And the actor just does something and then something else and then something else. And so they can get the perfect take. I wonder what it was like on this movie, because if they improv their sketch, they probably improv a lot of these lines in the movie. And I just wonder how many takes they did or if they're just like so dialed into the characters that it didn't take that many. I don't think there were very many takes. I don't think so either. I don't know why, but I just get that feeling where I get that when I'm watching like a a new comedy movie, I get the feeling that like that was the best take out of 15 and it's hilarious, but I know they did multiple jokes in that situation. Yeah. And I do know that some of the best lines were ad-libbed. Awesome. Yeah. So Bob and Doug come home with, instead of a case of beer for their dad, they come home with a van full of beer and dad, dad loves it. He's, I don't know if he's more excited that they brought home a van full of beer or that they actually got jobs. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is a good spot for this. Tim, how old do you think Bob and Doug McKenzie are? Oh, I would say they're in their 40s. Really? Yeah. What do you think? I was going to say like they're like 24. Oh, well, I mean, no, they look. What do I think well, they, they look like? They look like they're in they their 40s. Look, they look so old, but like they live at home and they don't have $15 to buy a case of beer for dad. So I felt like they're supposed to be in their in their 20s and also um pamela is 21 and she's supposed to i mean i guess she's not really a she's, love interest for no, bob no she's not she's sympathetic to his character but she, there's no like that's love very true there's actually no romantic connection at all in the movie dean i think part of the joke is that they're really old and still living okay. at home right okay so you think they are actually supposed to be 40 here and just have never had a job well i mean like i'd say 30 40 yeah 30 40 still live at home have never had a job yeah I'd okay. go with that, yeah. You know what? I could buy 30. I could buy 30 for sure. Okay. Let's go with that. If anybody out there knows, let us know. Yeah, how old their characters are supposed to be. Now, back to work the next morning. Bob and Doug go into a cafeteria with Pam, and they find a bunch of arcade games, and they start to play one when something strange happens, Dean. Yes, what is it? It is that Pam has a high score on one of the machines, but she's never played it before. Yeah, Tim, this is where the movie gets fucking eerie. Yeah, Dean, the score is her birthday. Yeah, what the hell? Dean, the arcade heats up and the plug starts glowing. <laughs> what? This is where... It's okay, so, so mysterious. I, I was obsessed with this movie as a kid, but also, we've talked about this before. I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat when I was a kid because I wasn't allowed to watch movies. So I was a little, um, you know, I was a little sensitive to movies. I was afraid of it. Oh, Yeah. Because it's very eerie. I mean, the name is Strange Brew, and it's like aptly named because it is actually kind of creepy, this movie. So when I when when I like when I watch this scene, I'm thinking like, okay, who is this movie for? 
This movie is actually for the older kids that are okay with this creepy stuff and get their jokes. It's for anyone who is watching SCTV. This isn't like, even though they swear, I think, one time in this movie, they say shit once. It's like a very, very PG movie. It's actually really creepy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It is it is a bit creepy and eerie. Yeah. Yeah. So I was allowed to watch this movie because it had the PG rating because there's nothing. There's no sex. There's no violence. There's one swear in the entire movie. So I was allowed to watch it. But as a kid, it creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not scary, but it is a bit it's a bit weird and eerie. Yeah, it's strange. Like in the title, it it is strange. And it starts with this part. Yeah, it's fun. It, well, it it's fun now. It was scary when I was a kid. Hmm. It was fun when I was a kid. Well, that's because you watched Jaws when you were five. (laughs) It's true. That's a good point. (laughs) Now, Bob, who already noticed that an old hockey star named Rosie is working at the brewery, he befriends him and gets him to sign a hockey card for him. Yes. Rosie is Angus McInnes. And now this is this is what I'm guessing is where you thought you were going to one up me with your facts. Fuck it was, Tim. Am I right? You fucking got me. Let me see if I can. You know what, Dean? I think not only am I going to have your fact, but I'm going to do you one better. You're going to own me. I'm going to own you on this, okay? Oh, okay. He is a Canadian actor who played the role of Jedi pilot gold leader in Star Wars A New Hope. Now, he was also in Star Wars Rogue One as archived footage, but with newly recorded audio. Now, Dean... This guy was actually in a bunch of cool movies. Let me name some for you. Okay, go for it. Superman 2, Hellraiser 2, Judge Dredd, Eyes Wide Shut, Hellboy, Captain Phillips, and a talking back favorite, The Jacket. (laughs) Tim, you owned me. You owned me. He's in the fucking jacket? He's in the jacket. Who is he? He's the judge in the jacket. No fucking way yeah tim i came in here thinking i had one up on you 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 out researched <laughs> me like you do every single episode you owned me that is amazing you actually blew my mind i didn't think that was going to happen in this episode i didn't think you blew my mind you blew my mind thank you wait was he bobette <laughs> <laughs> did he shoot adrian brody <laughs> oh damn you just went up me that was great oh go back and listen to our episode on the jacket um to catch some of these references and for a great episode of podcasting <laughs> Wait, toot your own horn hey don't mind my brother over there hey, he's tooting his own horn yeah you crushed me there that's amazing well done i knew what i knew was the star wars fact right which is uh which a is a very small part cool, of what you though. knew it's cool it's cool that this guy was gold leader it's awesome because he, like, Gold Leader has actually, like, dialogue in the movie. Like, he has a line and you remember, as a kid, that's kind of the stuff you remember is when they're doing the trench run and all these leaders are talking to each other. I don't remember his face, but I remember his lines. And that's really cool that it's uh, that it's him. I love him in this movie. Oh, he's so good. I think he's uh, fucking great for his part. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is probably the favorite thing I've seen him in because I feel like this is like, he's a major character in this movie. I feel like the other stuff he's done in these other more popular movies, he just has these, these smaller roles where if you're not really paying attention for him, you'll probably miss him. Um, I mean, I've seen strange brew so many times, but I definitely did not recognize him in the jacket or from star Wars. 
Yeah, um, so totally. It, but he gets this like this is the perfect role for him just to be able to like to shine because let's be honest, he's I don't think he's like going to be one of these top actors who deserves uh, more yeah. of a leading role in one of these more popular movies. But a movie like this, like more of a B movie, he gets that opportunity and they just gave him the perfect character that he can just kind of own like this totally. re- retired um, like hockey kind of legend. Uh, it's, it's just, he did a great job and I think they did a really good job casting him in this movie. Yeah, totally. He's like sixth lead in this movie, maybe, which is like pretty solid. Maybe seventh. If you want to put the dog into sixth, if you want to put hose, hose hound into six, hose head, hose head. I like hose hound. That's, that's even better. I like hose hound. It is hose head though. Yeah. Hose head is sixth lead and Rosie is seventh. Where in the shit are we? How how are things going? We're an hour in and Dean and I have no idea how this podcast is going. So <laughs> we're curious. What do you what, what do y'all think? What do y'all Which, think? It's actually probably getting worse and worse. <laughs> I have I have four empties beside me, so that's where I am. Here's where we're at. Pam meets up with Brewmaster Smith and he's trying to take over the world. And she's trying to take over the brewery. Perfect. Pam Perfect. gives Smith his two weeks notice, Dean. Tim. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Fucking one of the best scenes in the entire movie. Dean. Yes. You don't You don't give Darth Vader a pink slip. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is ba- true. That's a bad idea. That is true. That's a bad idea. But a great scene. She goes up to him and she's like, oh, uh, I'm trying to take over this brewery, but I guess it's your brewery. I guess you run everything. And he's like trying to be all humble. Oh, no, no, no. And she fires him. It's amazing. Yeah, it is a good moment. We quickly learn that Brewmaster Smith and Pam's uncle, Claude, are in this together and both had a hand at killing her father, John, to get control of Elsinore Brewery. Well, fuck that. We also learn another really important thing here. We learn that Brewmaster Smith is strong enough to lift up Claude by his ear with one hand. That's amazing. And that Claude's ear cannot be ripped off, even if you lift him up by it. <laughs> Very true. I never thought about that. That is actually telling us a little bit about Claude. <laughs> it's just some real good characters. He's got like some really strong ears. Yeah. That's interesting because if someone lifted me up by my ear and my ear alone, I feel like it could rip off. It probably would. Yeah. He's so strong. He's so strong. Now we're back at the hockey rink with the stormtroopers and Rosie thinks something's up. He's he's on to the fact that something's wrong here. And he asks Bob and Doug to help out. Now, all three of them are in equipment and all the patients are in equipment. And Doug starts quoting Star Wars lines. and It's just excellent. So good. <laughs> he says, I am your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. <laughs> And then um, <laughs> Bob follows up with, he says, he saw Jedi 17 times, eh? Now that, D- Dean, listen to this. This is really neat. Okay. Because if you can compose yourself for a minute. I can't. I'm dying. <laughs> the this, underuse of knob in the entire movie and then using it in this moment is so perfect. It is good, yeah. I think it's the only time they use knob. It in might be whole, the only the time they use knob. <laughs> Give in to the dark side, you knob. It's, it's, it's really good. But Dean, listen. Yeah. Return of the Jedi wouldn't be released for another five months when Strange Brew is released. Interesting. 
Yeah, so they dropped a little like neat kind of spoiler in there. That is really interesting. Yeah, and um, he says he saw Jedi 17 times because at that point, they didn't know quite yet if it was going to be called Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Jedi. So So, cool. So he just says Jedi. Tim, you and your fucking research, man. What a guy. Yeah. But then, listen, shortly after that, (laughs) Doug drops... What probably my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> it's this hilarious scene where like all the the skaters of the other team, like they're on the ice now, and all the skaters on the other team, um, like kind of like knock out and defeat his team, and they're all skating towards him. But then the organ player like plays this music to make them stop right in front of him. Yeah, and he just ever so calmly says, "The power of the force stopped you, you hosers." <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but if you're watching this movie, it's such a great moment. I just honestly, love it. this entire scene is a great moment. And I was thinking that same thing when I was watching it this time around, like it really doesn't need to be there at all. I was wondering why this scene where they get to play hockey has to be there. It doesn't, but there's so much comedy in it. Like when they, when the, uh, when the black team plows into Bob McKenzie, which is Rick Moranis. He like they they all just like plow into him, and I'm thinking, well, that's goalie interference. But like, did they have goalie interference back in the '80s? I don't think so. So he gets up, he like starts skating towards them, and he, he's gonna protest the call. And so I'm like, is he gonna say goalie interference? But he says, hey, that's no goal, eh? They were in the crease, eh? And oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> you couldn't be in the crease when you score. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> I just loved it. I loved I loved that they all plowed him over. And scored, and he still had a reason why. <laughs> that was no good. There's no ref on the ice. Who's he talking to? <laughs> it's amazing. The thing with this episode that we're doing is we're not really touching on many of the funny moments because it's impossible to touch on them because they're not really going to be funny. It's like you have to see yeah. these guys delivering these lines. You have to kind of be in these situations. Um, so we're just, you know, going through the story a bit, having some fun, uh, saying some of the stuff we loved. But you really got to go watch this movie if you've never seen it before. Like this is a this is a little bit of history here. This movie, and that's the thing about improv. If you go to an improv show, you can never just come home and explain to like your family or friends why it was so funny. It doesn't make any sense unless you're there and you know that they're improving those lines. That's what makes it funny. Yeah, hundred percent. Tim, yes. Can I go pee? Sure. I have to. I have four empties and I have to go so bad. Time for break. So Pam is back at the video game trying to figure out what happened when the video game starts showing surveillance camera footage of her father being murdered by Claude and the brewmaster. Yeah. This is interesting. We've got this whole dynamic where Pam's father is like now part of this movie. He's on the good guy's side and he's like from beyond the grave trying to drop them clues and hints about what's actually happened because basically our heroes of the movie are useless in finding out any sort of clues like that, right? So you need some some other um, uh, entity or person to like drop all these clues and figure everything out for us. Yeah, totally. And they, like, it's interesting because they don't really explain it at all. But he was, I mean, he was strangled 
and that's how he originally was killed. But then he was placed on an electrified fence after he was already dead. But then the movie um, posits that he exists in electricity so that he can sort of travel through this video game system. He can travel through other monitors. So I wonder if them setting him up and like trying to get this footage of him being electrocuted actually sent his soul into their whole surveillance system. And that's how he lives in here. Dude, that is genius. Yeah, man. I never thought of that. That makes so much sense. Yeah. You just like filled a hole in the movie for me. Totally. If they just strangled him and that was it, he wouldn't exist in that whole system that they have. But it's because they tried to stage it. He's there. Right, right. They do have a funny joke about that too. Uh, or Claude, um, his the John's brother, is talking to Brewmaster and says like, uh, I, you killed him the first time. I only killed him the second time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I do mean, it. I killed him the second time. Honestly, Claude fucking rocks in this movie he is so do you good. have his i don't know if you have his name there on the on the list he I is don't. okay he is so good in this movie he's so funny and that is his best line in the movie for sure he is now like seeing this all as like a kid um you kind of hate the bad guys right? for like sure you don't, you don't yeah. like them you don't like what they're doing watching it again now now i haven't watched this movie in a long time i mean we're talking like a decade maybe longer than that but seeing it and just appreciating all these performances, he did such an excellent job. He plays this such a fantastically hilarious, dumbass bad guy who just doesn't know shit about shit and is just like is not yeah. prepared to be in this situation and is just trying to like cover his tracks the best he can, but is terrible at it and yeah. has a, like a real hot wife. Who was his brother's <laughs> wife that he, he like, like days after he killed his brother, he gets married to married his her. brother's wife for like some reason. I don't know what her deal was in this <laughs> What the movie. fuck is wrong with this woman? Yeah. She seems like she's on drugs the whole time. It just, does seem like she's on drugs. Yeah. Always happy and kind of just out of it and not, yeah. I don't know. I'm the same, so, Tim. It's been like decades, not decades. It's been a decade since I saw this. Like I watched it like multiple times in my teens, like maybe 20, but haven't seen it. Haven't seen it since then. Yeah. Interesting to revisit it as an adult where you can appreciate things like Claude. Yeah, that was fun. It's a different experience. Totally. He's incredible in the movie. So, I, I mean, I wonder if anybody from this, you know, from listening to this podcast, if they go out and watch this movie, I'd be curious to know what their, um, like, their reception of it is like. You know, yeah, Because for sure. a lot of stuff is... is now, rewatching, I had forgot a lot of jokes, and I still laughed a lot in this movie. Like, there was a lot of funny stuff in it, and then there was a lot of stuff that I knew was coming and was, you know, made me, you know, giggle a little bit. But I'd be curious, um, you know, to see somebody's reaction the first time being an adult seeing this movie. Um, I think it, I think people would still like it. It's, it's just a fun, silly movie. If you know that going into it, there's, there's a place for that, you know. Totally. The jokes are different. That That's what's interesting about the movie is there's jokes that can hit an adult and there's jokes that can hit a kid. Because this time when I watched it, I 100% remembered all the jokes that I loved as a kid. And they're not the ones that hit me this time. It was different ones. Yeah. Like the fart jokes hit me like when I was a kid. And they weren't really the best jokes this time. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So Bob and Doug have made their way into the evil control room. And have some fun on the organ themselves, uh, making the dudes skate around and fight each other <laughs> before before being shot by uh, Claude 
and the brewmaster with tranquilizers. Yeah. And those guys also shoot Pam at the same time. Now, Claude has it set up that Bob and Doug are now back in their van, and he's telling them they need to make a delivery. But Claude has cut their brake lines and is trying to kill them, Dean. This is like the most serious part of the movie. It is. It is. After a quick pit stop at home, Bob and Doug drive off a fucking pier with two kegs of beer that were in the back that fall out. Now we see Pam and her friend from the brewery were inside of those kegs. Yeah. Now Rosie is there for some reason and him and him and Pam are kind of hitting it off. They're like the couple uh, in the love interest in this movie. Yeah. Rosie's there. He sees Pam in the water. She's struggling. He jumps in. He gives her this kiss and they blows his air into her mouth. She's able to survive and Rosie drowns. And then Bob and Doug never surface. Yeah. So it's a serious moment. Like the music is sad. And yeah. These, uh, these three characters um, have drowned. Yeah, two so, things. Mm. One, uh, what's your take on the blowing in the mouth underwater to give that person air? I've just, I never really understood it. Um, Do you I mean, think it, that works. Yeah, it could work if you have a if you have a breath like a breath of oxygen. Yeah. You could you could give that to somebody, right? Okay, cool. I, like I've never really, I just haven't really comprehended it because I've never been in that type of situation where someone else has passed me breath underwater. Well, I mean, that's not like who does that? Nobody does that, right? Like, I know, but like if you open your mouth, doesn't water get in it? Like I, I just don't I don't get it. But it happens a lot in movies, so it must be a thing. Yeah, I guess if you I mean you'd have to do it the proper way. I guess if you just yeah. open your mouth underwater, it is gonna fill up. I feel like if the reason Pam was drowning was because she was out of breath. Totally. And had no more oxygen. And then if a guy, you know, who's got a full lung of uh, of air blows in her mouth that yes she could take that yeah. I mean, it's the same idea it's just like oxygen for divers right like they're getting oxygen sure. yeah. pumped into their mouth so i think it's it works yeah i to- uh, I like i totally accept it because i live my life by things i watch in movies so if i see it in a movie multiple times i'm like okay that's what that works that's how it does like that that's how it works yeah it's funny out of all the things and holes in this movie that that's that's what you chose to choose as that's your the point one, of yeah. contention. It's very interesting. It's Although I do always... know you have you do have that fear of water, right? Yeah, so it's you're... it's always been a question on my mind like is that possible? Could you do that? If I'm drowning, will someone be able to come and blow in my mouth and I can live? Um Right, possibly, but they would die. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trading of lives. Yes, number 2 point. Uh, we get an intermission in an hour and a half movie at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. We get an actual intermission. Yeah. With like happy music at the like most dire part of the movie. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. It, it is hilarious. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. It is actually hilarious yeah. that they have like the most serious part of the movie and they're like, okay, but like, how can we lighten this up a bit? <laughs> Let's put an intermission in, in the mm-hmm. middle of an hour and a half movie. Yeah, and I think it's it's fun. It's fun because um, they needed to make it seem like some time had passed. Yeah, uh, for for the what comes next. So what comes next is we see divers um, down at the bottom of the lake, uh, looking at the van, and I guess they're going to pull out the bodies, the dead bodies. But wait, Dean, they're not actually dead. Yeah, they're just all sitting at the bottom in their seats drinking beer. Yes, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense right like that i mean they're either they're either drinking beer or they're getting oxygen from the beer bottles well there's no oxygen in beer bottles (laughs) well but they're like hanging them upside down so like i wonder if there's like 
you know, like like there could be like some sort of gap there where there's air still in them. Yeah, that, that's how they want it to look for sure. Yeah. They want it to look like they're drinking air out of the bottles. But yeah, I mean, we all know there's no air in the bottles. But look, I'm not going to pick holes uh, in that one. Totally. Uh, but this I'm is just like, I'm just happy they're alive, dude. I'm just happy they're alive. I'm happy they're alive. And this is one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie where the diver comes down. He knocks on the window. Um, Doug lowers the window and he shows his badge that he's a cop and Doug shakes his head and pulls out his license and shows him his license like he's being pulled over, like he's doing something illegal. This is one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie. It's a great scene because they are all underwater and uh, (laughs) they they must be getting oxygen from like um, an oxygen tank in between like these scenes. Oh, totally. Yeah, the scene uh, is actually amazing. I don't know how they filmed it because there's a long period of time in this scene where it doesn't seem like there's like many cuts. There's like one cut in this entire yeah. scene. And they all have their eyes wide open. Like they're not yeah. blinking like you would it's when amazing. you're underwater. It's a really good scene. It, it would have taken them a while to do. Yeah, there must be someone in the back. Like you said, there must be someone in the back giving them oxygen because it's it's incredible. Yeah. Bob and Doug, though, Dean, are blamed for kidnapping Pam and her friend. And trying to kill them. And they're sent to jail. Another very sad and tragic moment. Yet another one of my favorite jokes. Yeah. In the lineup. Oh, yeah. I'm getting to that right here. So they bring bring Pam in to identify Bob and Doug. But before she can, they identify her. They're just like, that's her. (laughs) They get all the guys lined up and bring Pam in. And they're like, okay, ma'am, could you please uh, identify the two men who kidnapped you? And then you hear from the other side, that's her. That's her right there. That's her right there. (laughs) Another time where I just burst into laughter. Like, that is incredible. That's her right there. (laughs) It's really good. They're so quick with it, too. So good. I mean, she's like, she's drugged at this point. She got shot with something from uh brewmaster and she still seems a little bit out of it and so i'm not sure she could even identify them and when they walk in they identify her it's just so perfect yeah no she's like a zombie at this point she's a zombie yeah he drugged her with something hard in the movie they say that she's catatonic which is not correct because she's not showing like the behaviors of um of catatonia but i think it's whatever brewmaster shot her with oh for sure yeah whatever he shot her with because um they when uh rosie helped her out of the water yeah uh, the police were like talking to her and helping her and she was fine and then brewmaster shoots her with something and he, like nobody sees it but they like knock her out with something and then she's kind of comatose a bit at this point we learn what brewmaster's plan is and it's to release his toxin at oktoberfest oh shit now bob and doug are walking into the courtroom with their attorney <laughs> and the press comes running up with all sorts of questions and the attorney says i'll handle this <laughs> and he kicks the shit out of all of them he is full-on kicks the shit out of them except Damn. one lady who actually puts up a fight and he has like a great karate fight with this lady but ends up getting the upper hand and then he like fixes his suit and he's like that's how you handle the press it was so i was so <laughs> just out of place and i didn't think that that was coming even on this rewatch, that's a scene I had forgotten about. I laughed so hard on the rewatch at that point. It's so funny. It's so funny. Totally. This this movie, while it tries to be like in our world and grounded, there's like three or four just bonkers scenes in it. And that is one of them that catches me every single time when that 
lawyer just starts beating the shit out of everyone like kung fu style it's so funny i don't know why it's in here it doesn't make sense to be in here and it's perfect it's perfect now after a bit of a joke of a court session dr bm smith brewmaster smith yeah i love that that he stated that as his name (laughs) bm smith we learn here his actual given name is dr brewmaster smith bm smith so good he's given custody over bob and doug because they're like acting so asinine in the court that the uh the judges like these people are are not fit for you know for being on the stand so you can have them until they're ready now pam is also at the institute under the care of brewmaster at this point Rosie is in the hospital. Now he gets out of the hospital and heads over to the Institute where he explains to Pam what's happened. And Pam's kind of like coming to again now. Yeah. And Pam, Rosie, Bob and Doug all team up and they're like, we got to get these bad guys. And they break up into teams here, Pam and Bob and Doug and Rosie, and they go their separate ways. And we have another very sad moment here where Bob and Doug are separated for the first time ever in their life. Yeah. And Tim, this is a great fucking moment in the movie because Doug just razzes Bob the entire movie. Like when they walk into a situation and there's a guy that's like knocked unconscious, Doug will just be like, oh, fuck, you killed him. I'm calling the police and I'm going to witness. Like he's always bugging Doug. He's always pushing him whenever they're in a scene. He's always like, he's the big brother. He's always pushing him around. But in this moment where they have to be split up, they actually ha- they both have a very emotional moment. And it's just like, that's just their dynamic. It's just a brother dynamic where the one picks on the other, but it's like, you're still like, you're still best friends. Like, that's just your dynamic. And I loved it. I loved that they got this moment to split up and both show that they're very sad about it. So they're both okay with their relationship. Right. Uh, they show it in different ways. Like Doug... Doug shows it by um, saying, oh, I'm glad we got rid of those two losers yeah, yeah. or something like that. Like he, he's trying to like hide his uh, his sadness. You can still tell he's sad. Right. But he's totally. just like, we finally got, got rid of them. Uh, Bob, on the other hand, he's just sobbing. He's bawling. <laughs> he's, yeah. Pam, Pam's like just trying to console <laughs> him. And he's just him yeah. bawling. It's hilarious. But Pam and Bob quickly get caught by Brewmaster, who locks them in a giant brewing tank and starts filling it up with beer. Tim. How about that, Dean? Let me hit you with this one. Hit me. They are the mice in the bottle. Ooh, I like it. Right? Dean, I like it. Yeah, I hadn't considered that either. That is an excellent point. Yeah, they are the mouse in the bottle there. Yeah. Uh, Good one. Good one, dude. Now, Doug and Rosie are back in the Stormtrooper hockey gear and on their way to take out the bad guys. They find Brewmaster, and this guy, he puts up a valiant fight. He takes out, like, the entire team of hockey players. He's so fucking strong. Yeah. Um, they do this funny thing where, like, he's capable of, like, crushing someone's skull. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. he does that a couple times. <laughs> and um, Rosie is able to get the upper hand and kill him with an assist from the ghost of John Elsinore. Yes. Good call now, on that one, because... Usually getting pushed up against a map that is just um, has some LED display in it. Has some LED display isn't enough to kill a man. No, it's not going to kill you. Yeah, with the assist of John Elsnor, who is traveling through the entire 
uh, electrical system of this whole um, brewery, he's able to shock right through him and kill him. Right. Yes. Which I don't even think I picked up until this viewing. I think I yeah. just assumed previously, like, you don't mess with electricity, y'all. Honestly, same. I was just like, yep, they got him. They pushed him against the lights. You can't right. go up against lights. Yeah, lights don't touch, kill don't you. touch lights. Don't touch <laughs> yeah. lights. Light, lights are bad. <laughs> uh, now, those guys, Doug and Rosie, quickly head over to the beer tank to try to free Pam and Bob. But <sighs> Dean, it's too late. The tank was filled all the way full with beer. Yeah, they're fucking dead. No, they're not. Luckily, Wait, Bob drank it all. <laughs> he drank all the beer. He also peed in it, too. He, uh, he did <laughs> pee in point. it, but then he drank it. He drank it. Yeah, he's huge now. He he's like the full he's like the full size of this uh, canister. Yeah. Um and but he's stuck. They can't get him out. So he also he's he's complaining he really needs to take a leak. Right? Yeah. Is, uh, clearly. <laughs> now uh, just like you earlier. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I had to do it. Now he he belches and blows the tank wide open. <laughs> and at this point, the ghost of John is back, and tells Pam that Oktoberfest is in danger. Yeah. And true. his then his spirit flies out of the brewery next door to the institute and blows up the institute. Yeah. So they get Bob, t- giant Bob giant beer filled bob to go over and put out the fire yeah hey i gotta take a leak so bad i can taste it <laughs> so he puts the fire out we're peeing the, on it the, yeah peeing on it the fire department they offer him a job they offer him a job just like, like he did he's such gonna a good always job. be full of pee hey he man just, you took you took that fire out faster than we could yeah if you're ever looking for a place in the fire department you give me a call the guy Tim, says for me as a kid this was like the number one moment for me when he was giant from drinking all the beer and he's like he got it he has to take a leak as me a too. kid that was number one the, it, the it funniest thing i've ever seen in a movie yeah and it held up this time like watching it as an adult some things didn't hold up this held up this is funny it was funny it didn't hold up for me because i think i laughed so much at it yeah. as a kid um, the other one as a kid that really worked for me was when they were uh, taking the lie detector test. Oh, 100%. And they were like farting. And, yeah. Uh, or Doug farted and Bob's like, oh, you farted. And he's like, no, I didn't. And uh, he's like, check the lie detector. And the thing is just going off the chart. And he's like, uh, yeah. The other guy's like, he's so lying. matter of fact, he's like, yeah, no, he's definitely lying. <laughs> yeah. Tim, you're right. That was like, that was also way up there for me as a kid. That did not play at all this time. No, th- I expected to laugh at it this time and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. laugh at all. Also, the uh, um, oh, the electroshock. No, no, no. The oh, no. Uh, we're from the like adjustment. What was that? Oh no, we're from the like justice department, and we're here to adjust the bed. Oh yeah, that was awful. That like crushed for me as a kid, and this time oh, I was really? like, oh shit, that was the worst joke in the entire movie. Yeah, that was a bad one. Um, but the for me the big the drinking all the beer still played because of the I think because of the mouse in the bottle connection. Where I was able to be like, okay, they are what they were trying to plan at the beginning of the movie. He is now the mouse in the bottle and he just drank all the fucking beer. Right. I never picked up on that. I really, really like that connection. Yeah. It's 100% correct. That's good. That's good script writing right there. Now, they need to stop the people at Oktoberfest from drinking this beer. So Bob and Doug, they go home. And they tell their dog, Hosehead, who basically looks like a giant skunk. Yes. 
They tell him what to do. And the dog takes off running, then leaps into the sky and starts flying. (laughs) And a cape rolls off his back. He flies to Oktoberfest. He lands and scares the shit out of everybody. Everybody's just running. Like it's a giant skunk is there. Right. And that's basically it. They save the day. Um, Pam and Rosie are going to take over the brewery. Yeah. They've offered Bob and Doug jobs. Yeah. And Bob and Doug drive off in a gigantic beer truck. And all is right in Canada once more. Amazing. Tim, I know we're a little long here. But what's your take on Hosehead? There's a couple of Hosehead scenes that are just like completely bonkers. And I think my favorite one is when the like detective goes to their house because he's looking for Bob and Doug and Hosehead like basically spits out this disc that they need to see and then just fucking rolls up the side of the roof. Like he spits it out from the shingles and then he rolls up the roof and rolls behind the house. Yeah, This is such a, a weird moment in the movie. And I absolutely loved it as a kid because I thought it was so goofy. I love it as an adult because it's so out of place. And then Hosehead like fucking flies later in the movie. And it's it's kind of the only time where they're saying like the rules of our universe don't apply. And it's with the dog. <laughs> yeah. What is your take on Hosehead? Uh, well, I, I love him. I, I tried not to think too much about it. I kind of like did the whole suspension of disbelief on this one. But For I sure. Think, I think basically what they were doing is there are probably they're probably left with some plot holes and right. like stuck in some areas, not really knowing where to go next. Yes. Yes. And they used Hosehead as this device to kind of like back them out of a corner. Yes. So whenever they got totally. in trouble, they're just like, you know what? Let's use Hosehead. He can like be the person to take us to the next scene here. Yes. And I think that was his, uh, his, his purpose and his use in this one. Totally. And he can like he can do the flying because it's just a green screen behind him. But how do they do the fucking roll up the side of the roof? I have no idea. That looks like a dog rolling (laughs) upwards up a roof and over the other side. That part to me is even crazier than the flying. Just the way he moved. Just he he spit out a disc onto the ground and then rolled up the side of a roof. I I couldn't. I I had to rewind it and watch it again because I loved it. I thought it was so hilarious. I don't know, man. Yeah, may, I don't know. Have... I don't know either. Like that dog drinks beer all the time, so maybe they're just trying to say like this is how insane your dog can be if you if he drinks beer all the time. Yeah, perhaps they may have just rolled him down the side of that house and then like played <laughs> oh, <no>. it backwards. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you saw when he landed from his flight to Oktoberfest. Oh yeah, like it looks like they dropped him from like uh, quite a high distance to make him make it yeah. seem like he landed. Like, <laughs> and he, here's the he, you know a little bit of a harsh landing for. A well, dog. here's the fucking thing: dogs aren't cats. Cats right. can launch from like anywhere and they land on their feet. They literally yeah. do. Like I've watched my cat being like fall off of something that is six feet high and just like fix himself in the air and land perfectly. Dogs cannot do that. So that landing was actually it was actually pretty harsh. Um, I hope they didn't uh, go too far to get that shot. But yeah, I, know. Um, well, he, I mean, yeah. he was fine. He got right right back up, but he definitely he did. had That's, a little I, bit of I a harder landing. That, yeah. Yeah, he, he did get back right back up. Um, yeah, I like Hosehead. I, I I feel like maybe his his flying at the end is just like a really big jump. Maybe because he's had so much beer, he's just like mm. got a l- bunch of energy and he just jumped all the way there. 
No, he's flying. He's, he's always flying. Dog. Well, he did have a fucking cape. It's he like had a Superman dog. cape. It's yeah. like Super Dog. <laughs> what a weird spot in this movie. <laughs> Amazing. It's like, what if Super Dog landed on Earth and became Bob and Doug McKenzie's dog rather than Clark Kent's dog? And liked beer. And liked beer. Well, why wouldn't you like beer? And donuts. Jelly. Dean, a couple things. Okay. Um, uh, Doug, Doug McKenzie's signature call, the... Uh, now yeah. he what where he came up with that was that he was saying that that was an exaggerated version of the flute that was used in the short Canadian television nature vignettes from way back in the day. The do you remember those? The hinterlands who's who? Do you remember no, those? No. Oh, you don't. Oh, hinterlands who's who? Hint hinterlands who's who? I'll uh, so. I'll drop maybe I'll drop some uh, audio in here if I can find some, but. Uh, yeah, these were th- maybe this was more for my like generation as a child, but in between, I think this was probably another thing with commercials like on the CBC. But after a, a show would end, you'd get like this short, like one to two minutes, um, just something done by the CBC. Interesting. Uh, so he he was taking that and he was just kind of riffing off of what that was. There was a time when beaver lodges like this one and the busy beavers that build them had almost disappeared from Canada because of over-trapping. But the beaver, who will always be associated with Canada's early days, has been reintroduced into many areas and it's made a successful comeback. The beaver builds dams because he has to store his winter's food in water deep enough not to freeze. With all the woodcutting that the beaver has to do, it's fortunate that his incisor teeth never stop growing. For a more complete story of the beaver, why not contact the Canadian Wildlife Service in Ottawa? Interesting. We had heritage moments. Do you know heritage moments? No. Okay, so as a kid, we we had those. Like after a show, you'd have one or two minutes, and they'd teach you something about history. Okay, uh, interesting. So I, yeah, Same type they of must thing. have changed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing was that in two thousand, uh, Todd McFarlane's toy company actually released a Bob and Doug toy set, Fuck and yeah. it, it came with the Great White North set, and they each could speak and say lines from the movie. Amazing! So I need this. I do need this as well. These guys are incredible. Like their improv skills just from go to go from like a two minute sketch to an album to a movie just shows you how talented they are. Yeah, definitely. Well, dude, they starred in this. They wrote it and they directed it. Yeah. I mean, you have to give them credit for writing it because they improv everything in the movie, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's do a real quick what if here. Okay. So, Dean, really straightforward. What if they made a video game of this movie? How much fun would that be? Oh, man. I mean, it might be because I'm six deep, but this is all I want to do is play this fucking video game. 
it would I want to play this so, game. It would be, be so, so much fun. Much fun. It would be so much fucking fun. And if you like if you had some sort of energy bar that had to be filled by drinking beer and you like <laughs> you had to drink beer. So if you hadn't drank beer in like a really long time, it would just like slowly go down and then you had to go find a way to drink beer. Oh, it would be man. so, so great. You could do so many amazing things to make this an awesome game because there's so many interesting locations and scenes and they're always doing something like really different in all the scenes. Yeah. I, I think this would make for a fantastic video game. Like and I really know- do. Yeah, you know what's really weird? I don't know how you're picturing the video game, but I'm picturing it 2D. I'm picturing a side scroller and your Bob or Doug McKenzie. So that mm. is not a lot of improv dialogue, which is like the the crux of this movie is that they are so funny and so smart, but I still want to play a game without all that. I just want to be these characters doing their dumb things, which is just what Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas set up. Like they just set up these characters in these dumb situations and I want to do it without without the crazy dialogue. Yeah, I wasn't picturing uh, side scrolling 2D, but um, I mean, I think anything really could work. I just want to do these locations. I want to have the beer health gauge bar. Um, I want to go to these different locations. I want to play some hockey and some stormtrooper outfits. Totally. I, I want to have buttons that will deliver different types of lines. And maybe yeah. you can oh, like, yes. as you progress, you can get new, you get new dialogue that you're able to use and just, you totally. can use these lines whenever you want to. I think it'd be, it'd be, you, they could do it so, so well. Um, I just think it would be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's uh, true. Dean. Hey, thanks for joining us on this Canada day. Hey, no problem, eh? Anything for my brother, eh? <laughs> That's right. Um, happy Canada Day to all our Canadian listeners and to everybody else. Whenever your country day comes up, we wish you a happy one as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.